Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Experiences Unexplained. My name is Jesse Clark. If you guys remember, last week I touched on the topic of near-death experiences. And in this episode, I kind of mentioned how different religions have different beliefs about what happens exactly when we pass away. Most major religions believe in some form of the afterlife, whether it's heaven or paradise or just an eternal life. Most of them believe in that form of afterlife. However, I did mention in last week's episode that there are some religions such as Hinduism and Buddhism that believe more so in reincarnation. And in these religions, they believe that we reincarnate in order for our souls and spirits to grow and reach enlightenment. And if you guys are interested and happen to miss last week's episode, it is episode 15 and it is available for you to go back and listen to. It's a pretty interesting topic and I highly recommend going back and listening if you happen to miss it. But this week's episode, episode 16, I will be focusing on the other aspect of the afterlife known as reincarnation. Now, I have mentioned before in previous episodes that I was raised in a very religious Christian home. You know, it's not a popular belief among the Christian faith to believe in reincarnation. In this Christian faith, we are taught that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die as a sacrifice for all of our sins. And as long as you accept God as your savior and you have him in your heart, then once you pass away, you will be in heaven and you will spend your eternal life in paradise. So I had to do some digging and some research before I recorded this episode because it wasn't a belief that I was grown up and taught to believe. And upon doing my research for this episode, I was quite surprised to find that most of the reincarnation cases that have been reported in North America are actually reported by Christian faith-based families. 
And it kind of got me wondering, you know, these people, they don't even believe in reincarnation. So why are there so many of these cases being reported by Christian families? Well, once I started digging into these stories and these cases that have been reported, it started to become clear to me that these people, they didn't want to believe in reincarnation, but their children were having memories from previous lives and they were giving details that there's no way little children could know these facts about strangers that they should know nothing about. And honestly, I think these cases that are reported from Christian families or other religious families are a little bit more credible than, say, the ones that come from South Asia where reincarnation is the dominant belief in their culture. These families in North America are kind of putting their reputation on the line and going against what they actually believe to try to figure out what's going on with their children. So I thought since I touched on near-death experiences in last week's episode, this week it would be good to touch back up with the other belief of reincarnation and talk about some of these cases that have been reported. But before I jump right into talking about some of these amazing cases, I would like to make a few announcements. If you are currently listening to this podcast and you have a personal paranormal experience or just something that you've experienced and you can't explain, I would absolutely love to hear your story. Many times when people experience strange phenomena, they don't know what to do and they feel like they don't have anyone to talk to about it or reach out to for help. But that's what I offer here with this show. This is a safe place where you can report any strange experience that you might have and we can openly talk about it and have a discussion about maybe what happened and see if maybe we could come to a conclusion of whether it was paranormal or something that could be explained. If you do have an experience that you would like to share with me, please feel free to reach out at experiencesunexplained.com. You can click on the Submit Your Experience tab, and there you can find several different methods in which you can submit your story. Now, given that this is an audio podcast, I highly prefer that you call our hotline and tell your story in your own words by leaving a voicemail on that hotline. And that hotline number is 1-270-290-0900. And I know I have some listeners up in Canada and UK and in Australia. And if you guys have stories, but you're worried about, you know, the phone fees, the long distance, feel free to record your story on your own cell phone. And you can actually email me the recording of your story at experiencesunexplained at gmail.com. And of course, like I always do, I will leave links to all this information down below in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, I would just like to say if you have been enjoying this podcast and you think you know other people that would enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. The best way for me to get new material and new stories to talk about on this show is by having new listeners. So please feel free to share with anyone that you might think will actually enjoy this podcast. And while I'm on the topic of bringing in new listeners, please, if you've enjoyed this podcast, give me a good rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever listening platform that you choose. If a potential listener sees a show that has good ratings, they're more likely to give that show a chance and give it a listen. So a good rating goes a long way and I really would appreciate it. 
But now that we have those announcements out of the way, we can get right into these amazing stories about possible reincarnation. As I mentioned before, there are several religious groups and tribes that heavily believe in reincarnation. And the members of the Gitsam First Nation up in Canada is no exception to this belief. They are a tribe of people that strongly believe in reincarnation. Their culture is based on the concept of the spirit being renewed. The personality and spirit of the person who passes on is reanimated through the baby that is born. And the first case of reincarnation that I'm actually going to talk about originates from this Gitsam First Nation. In this tribe, there was a kid named Alex Stoney. And what's unique about Alex is his clan recognizes him as a man named Albert Tate in his previous life. And Albert Tate was actually the head chief of the clan at the time of his death. And before Alex was even born, his grandmother had a dream of Albert Tate coming to her. And he said to her in this dream, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Now, just this fact alone isn't enough to really convince anyone that Alex is actually Albert Tate reincarnated. However, it gets a little more interesting. When Alex was just a young baby and a toddler, he would often hold his hands out in front of him and kind of observe his hands and look at his fingers in amazement. Now, you might be wondering why I'm bringing up this strange fact. Well, strangely enough, Albert Tate had lost his fingers in working accidents. Now, I imagine if in a previous life you had lost a limb or your fingers and then you were reincarnated and had well-functioning hands and fingers, this would probably amaze you. However, this isn't the only little detail that makes people think that Alex is actually reincarnated from Albert Tate. Given that Albert Tate was actually the head chief of the tribe before he passed away, he knew everyone's name and he knew where they sit in the feast hall and he just knew everyone really well. Well, when Alex was just a small toddler, he would meet people in the feast hall and he would lead them and direct them to their seats as if he knew everyone's name and he knew where they were supposed to be sitting in the feast hall. This may seem like a small little detail and it's not that amazing, but when you take into account Alex was just a small child, a toddler at the time, and he knew everyone's name and knew where they were supposed to sit in the feast hall, it's pretty amazing. Now this next case that I'm going to talk about actually comes from here in North America. Now just a little forewarning before I tell this next story, it does involve the murder of a young child and it is quite tragic. There's a young five-year-old boy named Atlas from Indiana, and when Atlas was one and a half years old, he started having these nightmares. His eyes would be open, and he would scream as if he was in pain. This would go on for as long as an hour at a time. And these nightmares continued and persisted to happen over several years. And his mother, Erica, took him to several pediatricians and none of them could give an answer as to why he was having these nightmares and crying out as if he was in pain. And then one day, as Atlas got older, he was five years old at this time, he was riding in the back of a car and looking out the window and then he says to his mother, I miss when my mom would take me to the playground. 
And Atlas's mother, Erica, became a little confused, and she said, you mean when I took you to the playground? And he replied, no, my other mom, with the really pretty hair. At first, Erica just thought that Atlas was being silly, like kids usually are. Erica was a teacher, and she's used to hearing kids say crazy things all the time. So, she jokingly asked, so you have another family, then what were their names? And it was at this time that Atlas said, well, my mom, her name is Washington, but my name was Jalen Robinson. And he then went on to say that when he was a child, somebody had murdered him. Erica really didn't know what to make of this conversation. She was still skeptical that maybe her son was just playing pretend or being creative. So out of curiosity, she went on the internet, did a Google search of the name Jalen Robinson. And as it turns out, upon doing her Google search, Erica found that there was, in fact, a 19-month-old boy in Brooklyn that had been murdered by his babysitter, Tammy Williams. Erica was stunned and had no idea how her 5-year-old son would know about this 19-month-old kid who died in a completely different state. Not only that, but Erica noticed the names of the parents of Jalen Robinson. His father's name was James Robinson, and his mother's name was Kareen Washington. So not only did Atlas give an accurate name of a kid who had been murdered, but he also even gave an accurate account of what his mother's last name was, despite his last name being Robinson. Jalen Robinson had actually died in the year 2005, and Atlas was born in the year 2014. So up until this point, everything that Atlas had stated checked out. How would this five-year-old boy know about this random murder that happened nine years before he was even born? Some might speculate that maybe he saw a news article, but it's highly unlikely that he saw a nine-year-old news article, and in fact his mother didn't even know about this murder until she researched the names. So who did he find this information out from? Atlas's mother Erica didn't really know what to do with this information. She didn't want people to think that she was crazy, and she is one of those people that I was referring to that was raised in a Christian family, and she had a very religious family. And in fact, when Erica tried to bring up her concerns about Atlas to her family, they wouldn't even discuss it with her. And in fact, some of them even went as far as to say that she needed to seek help from a pastor, or maybe it was demons that was manipulating her son. So at this point, Erica was pretty concerned, and she began to look for some answers and to see if there had been any other children that had experienced anything similar. And upon doing her research, she did discover the name of a child psychiatrist, Dr. Jim Tucker, who has studied reincarnation for over 20 years. In his studies, Dr. Tucker focuses on children because they are the ones most likely to have recent memories from previous lives. So without having anyone else to really turn to, Erica reached out to Dr. Tucker and told him all the things that Atlas had claimed about his previous life. Dr. Tucker immediately took interest in Atlas's case because in most of these cases, Dr. Tucker said these children usually can't remember verifiable information such as name and location of their previous life. But given that Atlas could remember this information, he had a chance to try to test Atlas and see if this information could be verified. 
Dr. Tucker then decided to meet with Erica and Atlas, and he printed off pictures of both Jalen Robinson and of his mother, Corrine Washington, and of his father, James Robinson. Now, among these photos of the family members and of Jalen, Dr. Tucker also threw in pictures that had no relation to these people to see if he could try to throw Atlas off during this photo lineup. And to their amazement, without hesitation, Atlas was able to pick out the pictures of his previous family members immediately. Dr. Tucker also remembered that Atlas had mentioned going to a playground with his mom in the previous life. So Dr. Tucker printed out a photo of a playground that was close to where Jalen Robinson had lived. And just like he did with the family members' photos... Dr. Tucker also printed off some random playgrounds that he found on Google Maps to see if Atlas would choose the right playground. And just like before, Atlas immediately chose the playground that was located where Jalen Robinson had lived. Atlas's mother Erica asked him, how do you know this playground? And he said that he used to go there with his mom. And Dr. Tucker then asked, are you talking about this mom? referring to Erica, and Atlas then replied, no, my old mom. So at this point, Atlas was five out of five for picking the correct pictures that were associated with Jalen Robinson. Now, given that there were multiple photos to choose from, and Atlas was asked different questions about them, it seems pretty unlikely that he would choose all five of the correct photos. And not only did he choose the correct photos, he seemed completely confident and natural when he chose those photos as if he was looking at pictures of his old family. Now, as I've mentioned before, I usually look at these types of cases and stories with a skeptical eye, and it's really hard to try to poke holes in this story. I know that kids can say some crazy things, but I don't know any five-year-old kid who spends his time looking up 10-year-old murders and claiming to be the reincarnated soul of this murdered child. I can't really find a reason not to believe Atlas's story, and I just really don't know what to make of it. It seems pretty incredible. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, oddly enough, Despite their Christian beliefs, Dr. Tucker claims that most of the families that he hears from in the United States are in fact from the Christian faith. And this next story that's based around the boy named Ryan Hammond is no exception to this. Ryan's family had also reached out to Dr. Jim Tucker for help and to get them to understand the claims that their son was making about a previous life. Dr. Tucker first met Ryan at the age of five. Ryan's mother had written Dr. Tucker a letter informing him of the claims that her son was making. And what makes Ryan's case so incredible is that he has the most verified statements in all of Dr. Tucker's cases throughout his over 20 years of studying reincarnation. Ryan had made over 200 claims about his previous life, and there were well over 50 of them that have been able to be verified by both research and reaching out to his surviving relatives of his previous life. Now, not only did Ryan make over 200 claims, but the claims that he made were so small in detail and personal that there's no way he could have known them without personally knowing the person he claimed to be in his previous life. 
In fact, some of these claims that Ryan made about his previous life, the surviving relatives didn't even know about these facts until they looked into it. So Ryan's mother had reached out to Dr. Tucker for help. She said that living with her son was like living with someone that was grieving or suffering from some sort of dementia. He would burst out crying and would ask questions like, when can I go home? What happened to my children? And it just seemed like he was someone that was suffering traumatic loss and was in the process of grieving someone that he had lost. When he was just a child, Ryan would be asked to draw a picture of his family. And although Ryan's family only had three members, himself and his parents, Ryan would draw a fourth stick figure and then cross that person out. And when Ryan was asked about this fourth person, Ryan would say, that's the old me and I'm not allowed to talk about him anymore. Around the age of four and a half and five years old, Ryan began having violent nightmares. He would wake up bursting out in tears, screaming. He couldn't breathe and would be grabbing his chest. After these nightmares had started, that's when Ryan started telling stories about his previous life and claiming that he used to be somebody else. He would talk about having a big house with a pool and having many children And a song would just come on and be playing and all of a sudden Ryan would do an entire tap dancing routine and would talk about when he danced on Broadway. Anytime his family and Ryan was watching TV and the Hollywood sign was pictured, Ryan would get extremely excited and say, There, Mama, that's it. That's home. I want to go home. Ryan's mom later decided to go to a public library and rent out some older books on the history of Hollywood. His mom had heard that sometimes in these reincarnation cases, it can be beneficial for the person to revisit old memories and look at pictures that they might be familiar with. In one of these books, they came across an old black and white photo from a film in 1932 called Night After Night. The photo showed several men gathered around in a group, and Ryan immediately pointed to a man in the photo and said, Mama, that's George. We did a picture together. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know a single five-year-old that refers to movies as pictures, but that's beside the point. Ryan continued to study the photograph, and then he pointed to another man off to the side, and he said, that's me. Ryan was unable to remember his name when his parents asked, and at the time there really wasn't a lot of information about this man or the movie Night After Night on the internet, so it was very difficult to find any kind of information or do any sort of research to find some answers. In fact, it wasn't until an archiver was able to uncover this man's name from the movie Night After Night. And it's at this point they discovered that this actor Ryan was referring as himself in the previous life, this actor's name was Marty Martin. Now, just like with the case of five-year-old Atlas, Dr. Tucker decided to print out photographs and create a lineup of people to see if Ryan could choose the correct photos. Ryan was immediately able to pick out the correct photo of Marty Martin. And not only that, Out of four different pictures of different women, Ryan was able to pick out the correct photo of Marty Martin's latest wife. 
how would this five-year-old boy know about this Hollywood actor from the 1930s and there was pretty much no information about this extra actor that was featured in this random film called Night After Night? They had to resort to calling on a old Hollywood archiver to even get a name of this actor. Not to even mention how Ryan was able to pick out a photo lineup of Marty Martin's latest wife. If you couldn't even find Marty Martin's name attributed to the movies he was in, I'm sure you definitely couldn't find who his latest wife was. During his time with Dr. Tucker, Ryan also kept mentioning a man named Senator Five that was from New York. Dr. Tucker began to do some research, and he discovered that there wasn't a man named Senator Five from New York, but there was a Senator Ives from New York. And Marty Martin did, in fact, know Senator Ives. So given that Ryan was able to correctly remember all of these strange and minute details from Marty Martin's life, Dr. Tucker reached out to one of Martin's only surviving daughters, Marissa to see if she could verify any more of Ryan's claims. Some of the claims that stuck out to Marissa that she could verify were that Marty was an agent and that he had an agency. And at this agency, they would sometimes change people's names. He also mentioned that he lived on a street with the word Rock in the name. And Marty Martin actually lived on Roxbury Drive. Another one of Ryan's claims that Marissa was able to verify was that Marty's mother had curly hair. He claimed that Marty had a green car, but Marissa didn't know he had a green car. But once she dug up some information, it turns out that Marty did, in fact, have a green car. He also claimed Marty had many wives, which he did. He said Marty tap danced on a stage in New York City, which was true. He said he loved to eat in Chinatown a lot and had a favorite restaurant there. And Marissa was, in fact, able to confirm that there was a restaurant that Marty loved called Ah Fong's. Ryan also claimed that Marty had a younger sister, which Marissa didn't know about, but it turned out to be true. Ryan also mentioned that he bought his daughter Marissa a dog when she was six years old and that she didn't like the dog. And Marissa also admitted that this was true. Ryan was also asked how old was Marty when he passed away, and Ryan claimed that he was 61 when he died. However, Marty's death certificate stated he was only 59 when he passed away. After noting this discrepancy in the death certificate and the claim from Ryan, Dr. Tucker began to look at other records. He found three census records, two marriage listings, and a passenger list, that all supported that Marty was actually the age of 61 when he passed away. So this is yet again another claim that Ryan was correct about. Now I have to admit, I was pretty skeptical about the whole reincarnation thing prior to hearing the story about Ryan, but I really can't find any other explanation as to how Ryan would know all these personal details about Marty Martin. Given the young age Ryan was when he started making these claims and the fact that there really wasn't all that much information at the time about Marty Martin on the internet, it's nearly impossible for Ryan to know all of these things. 
And it makes it even more incredible that some of Marty Martin's own flesh and blood didn't even know some of these facts about Marty until they looked further into it. For example, knowing that he had a young sister and the fact that he drove a green car that his own daughter didn't even know about. I have one more final reincarnation case that I'd like to discuss with you all, and this comes from the state of Louisiana, and it's from a boy named James Leiniger. Just like with many of the other previous cases mentioned, James' story began with having really bad nightmares. He would wake up crying and screaming and kicking and punching towards the ceiling, like he was in a box and trying to get out of it. This continued and went on for quite some time. And then his mother noticed one night that James began to say something. And James was saying, airplane crash, on fire, little man can't get out. And his mother was just stunned by what she heard and even woke up his father Bruce and was like, you have to hear what he's saying. He's talking about an airplane crash, being on fire, and little man can't get out. So later on, once James woke up and got settled, his mother began to kind of question her son about the dream. And she asked her son what the name of the little man he keeps talking about is, and he said, it's me, James. But the way that he was talking in this nightmare, it led her to believe that he was portraying someone else. And she couldn't really explain it to him at the time because he was so young and didn't really understand what she was asking. So she still continued to question her son in hopes of getting some more information and she asked if the little man in his dream had any friends and James replied Jack Larson was his friend. Around the age three James began drawing a repetitive battle scene. It would involve a plane flying in the air and getting shot down and it would just be a brutal battle scene and it was repetitive. He would constantly draw these battle scenes. From a very young age, James was fascinated with planes. He could go to an air museum and name off every plane that was there and all of the specifics of each plane. He knew things about planes that even his parents had no idea about at such a young age. One day, James was playing with a toy airplane and he told his mom while he was flying his airplane around, Before I was born, I was a pilot and my plane got shot in the engine and crashed into the water and that's how I died. James's mother just really didn't know what to make of it. She couldn't believe what her son just nonchalantly told her as if it was normal to say that he died in a plane crash. James continued to draw battle scenes and constantly played with toy airplanes. He would say, airplane crash on fire and slam his toy planes into the ground. Another odd detail about James's story is at a very early age, James was naturally able to write his first name. And not only would he be able to write his name James, but he would also include the number three and write James three when he wrote his name. His mother asked, why do you always put a number three beside your name? And he said, it's because he was the third James. As James began to get a little older, he was able to better articulate his memories. His father, Bruce, asked him, who shot your plane down? And without hesitation, James immediately said that it was the Japanese. 
Bruce then questioned him and said, how do you know it was the Japanese? And James said, because of the big red sun. And, of course, most of you are probably aware that Japan's national flag has the large red sun on it, as did their fighter planes. Bruce couldn't believe what he heard his son saying. He then asked, where did your plane come from? And James said, from a boat called Natoma. Bruce was a little confused by this, and he said to James that Natoma sounds Japanese to me, and James angrily and defensively said, no, it's American. And he was upset that he even accused Natoma of being Japanese. So stunned by what his son James had said, Bruce started to look up information to see if he could find something now that he had a name, Jack Larson, and he knew the name of a boat called Natoma. So James's father, Bruce, continued to do research and tried to get any information that he could find. And including this research, he had a book about the Battle of Iwo Jima. Bruce had opened up this book, and there was a map of Iwo Jima, and James pointed to the map, and he said, that's where my plane got shot down. Bruce then went on to the internet, and he tried to see if he could find anything on a boat called Natoma. After doing some research, Bruce discovered a report on the USS Natoma Bay CVE-62. The ship's report supported the claim that the ship had in fact been at Iwo Jima, and upon further investigation, Bruce stumbled upon some logbooks from the ship and found out that a man named Jack Larson had been the assistant armaments officer aboard Natoma Bay. Amazed at this discovery, Bruce tried to get as much information as he could from his son James. Strangely enough, James was able to describe to his father how they made napalm bombs when he was only six years old. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty happy that the average six-year-old doesn't know how to make napalm bombs. That could really spell disaster for the rest of humanity. It's a very strange thing for a six-year-old to talk about, let alone know exactly how to make these bombs. It's very strange, and I'm not sure where he would have got this information. At this point, the family was pretty desperate to try to get any sort of answers that they could about James's previous life, and the family actually later attended a reunion for the USS Natoma Bay. And at this reunion, they were amazed to find out that there was only one pilot from that squadron from the ship that died during the operation of Iwo Jima. And to their amazement, the name of that pilot was James M. Houston Jr. And given that James M. Houston was the junior, this supports that Bruce's son James was in fact the third James. And this helps explain why James kept writing the number three beside his first name. Later on, the family was actually able to track down a living relative of James Jr., his sister, Anne. The family had met with Anne and let them meet James, and James treated her like he knew her despite never meeting her before. He was able to tell the name of their other sister and talk about things that James Jr. liked to do as a kid. And James's parents said it was amazing to see him interact with Anne because he treated her very gently and it was like they were long-lost friends or perhaps relatives. 
And Anne was so blown away, she even said that she believes James's story in that he was, in fact, her reincarnated brother. James's family later on decided to take a trip to the location of Operation Iwo Jima and to see how James would react. And while they were out on the water and only 150 yards away from where the battle went down, James began to just burst out in tears and became extremely emotional. Now, I can't for sure say that this proves that James was reincarnated. I mean, he was a kid, and kids tend to get fussy when you travel. They were out on a boat, out on water. You know, maybe he was uncomfortable getting hot. But nonetheless, James became very emotional and was very unhappy while they were out on the ocean. But once they returned to shore, James was his happy-go-lucky self and acted like everything was fine and like he had been relieved from this great pain. Now, many years later, James is a grown man. He's no longer this little kid. But Dr. Tucker keeps in touch with all of his previous patients that he dealt with as children. And Dr. Tucker interviewed James and asked if he still had any memories from his previous life. And James says he doesn't really have specific memories except he can remember that feeling of dread and the experience he felt while going down and crashing his plane. He said those emotions and that feeling of knowing he was going to die is just something that has stuck with him and he gets emotional every time he thinks about it and he tries to avoid thinking about his previous life. So what do you all make of all of these different cases of reincarnation? Do you think this is something that is probable or do you think when we pass away we go to heaven or do you think there's just nothing when we pass away? I didn't create this episode to try to persuade people or make them change their beliefs in any sort of way. I just wanted to get this information out there. I think it's a very interesting topic, and it's pretty amazing some of these details that have sprung from these stories. And I was originally a skeptic myself, but after hearing these stories, it is pretty hard to explain away some of these details. If there's anyone out there listening right now who thinks they may have been reincarnated or have a story they'd like to share with us, I would greatly appreciate you reaching out to me. If you don't feel comfortable talking and calling our hotline, you can simply email me at experiencesunexplained at gmail.com. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a reincarnation story. I'm open, like I've said in previous episodes, I'm open to pretty much any topic of unexplainable events or strange things that have happened. And if these stories and cases have piqued your interest in reincarnation, I will leave links to other news articles and some YouTube videos down in the description below. And you can do some more research on your own. When you research reincarnation stories on the internet, you can come across tons of them, and I highly suggest you all look further into it if this is something that interests you. It's pretty amazing when you read up on it. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I want to thank you all for listening all the way to the end, and don't forget to check back every single Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. But until then, everyone take care and have a good night. Thanks, everybody.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.